Good morning. It's a pleasure to be here with you this morning, uh, worshiping our Lord. Before we uh, jump into the last fruit of the Spirit, uh, self-control, I just wanted to say uh, just how how humbled I am to be before you this morning. Uh, it was it was neat to see uh, just recently with the the 30th anniversary celebration, um, gathering all of the men who have preached God's word from this pulpit. And I'm reminded of an occasion where uh, a young Charles Spurgeon was to be preaching, um, but he was running late because of the trains and, and what have you. And so his grandfather starts preaching, and he walks in about midway through the service, and his grandfather just stops and says, oh, oh good, my grandson has finally arrived. Many men can preach the gospel better than I, but no man can preach a better gospel, is what his grandfather said as he was coming to the pulpit. And so that is the spirit that we, we, we come to, to gather in this morning. That how wonderful it is and what a blessing it is to sit under the teaching of, of Pastor Tim and the elders here at Big Woods. And many men can preach the gospel better than I, but no man can preach a better gospel. So would you pray with me uh, before we open God's word? and move into a time of, of worship in that way. Let's pray. <clears throat> God, I thank you for this opportunity. I thank you for your word that guides and instructs us. I thank you that you have revealed yourself to us. I pray, God, now as we move into your word that you would speak, that you would move me out of the way and that you would touch hearts this morning. Thank you for who you are. I thank you for the work that you do. I praise you, God, that we get to be a part of it. And I do pray, Holy Spirit, that these people would hear a better sermon than the one that is preached, that you would speak to them as only you can. I thank you, and I praise you. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Galatians chapter 5. We are finishing the series, the, the nine, as Pastor Tim has been calling them, the nine fruit of the Spirit. And so today, we come to But the fruit of the Holy Spirit is self-control. I grew up in the 90s. Now, don't have to do the math. Don't have to feel old about that. But I grew up, um, and I remember in elementary school, a program that was introduced that was supposed to to help kids resist drugs and alcohol. It was called D.A.R.E. 
drug abuse resistance education. And their slogan was, just say no. But the way they went about teaching was to to give as much information to these fifth graders. I remember in fifth grade, they would give as much information as possible. Uh, Not only about the, the dangers and the risks, but about how people used these drugs. And they didn't realize at the time what they were really doing. I even came to find uh, in, in my undergraduate studies that not only did this program not prevent the use of drugs and alcohol, it actually encouraged. Because it, it triggered this thing in the lives of young people called curiosity. But the hope was that this program would teach kids self-control. That it would give them the ability or the head knowledge to be able to say no when they are presented with an opportunity to use any such substance. But it just didn't work. Because it's more than just a head knowledge that allows us to say no to temptations. It's more than just having the ability with our lips to say no. This sort of thing must come from the heart. And if this desire does not exist within your heart, the word no is not going to be on your lips. As Jonathan Edwards says, you will always act according to your greatest desire. And so if this desire is self-satisfaction, fulfillment, you're going to seek whatever you think will gratify that desire. Maybe it's Maybe it's the chocolate cake that's sitting in the back of the fridge. I don't necessarily like chocolate cake, but apple pie, maybe, is sitting in the back of the fridge. If I am desiring that. Or, or maybe it's, it's lustful desires. Maybe it's that person at work who just pushes all the right buttons. You have the ability to say no, and yet the desire is not in your heart, so you do not. And that is why self-control is listed among the fruit of the Holy Spirit. We naturally desire sin. And so we must rely on the Holy Spirit to change that desire within us so that we can say no. And we're going to look at five things here about self-control this morning. Firstly, self-control is not merely the control of self. Self-control is not merely the control of self. The King James Version uh, translates self-control as temperance. Maybe that word rings with you a little bit more. But it comes from the Greek word, you know what, I'm not even going to try to pronounce that. Um, But it means 
to be strong, to have mastery over, or the the ability to control one's thoughts and actions. That's what that's what Paul is writing about when he says the fruit of the Spirit is self-control. So practically, it is the ability to restrain your desires. The ability to restrain your emotions or, or even your behavior. And so how are we able to do this? How are we able to live a self-controlled life in the power of the Holy Spirit? We first need to recognize that the, the, the power to do this, the, the ability to do this, to control our desires, our emotions, and our behaviors, does not come from within ourselves. Self-control is not, not a matter of picking ourselves up by our bootstraps and, and living under our own power. And I think one of, one of the crucial things to get here in that statement is that it's not a matter of working hard enough, but it is a matter of working. So we, we rely on the Holy Spirit to, to change our desires, but we still must act according to those desires. Listen to a couple different, different uh, scripture passages here. Colossians 1.29, Paul says, I toil, struggling. And the word there he uses means I agonize. So I toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. So there's, there's this, this aspect of, of Paul working, but it's in the power that God himself provides. Zechariah 4.6 says, Not by might, nor by power, but by my Spirit, says the Lord. And I think my, my favorite one out of these three comes from Proverbs 21.31. Where it says, The horse is made ready for the day of battle, but the victory is belongs to the Lord. So there's there's an aspect that we must prepare. We must make the horse ready for battle, but ultimately, God is the one who gets the victory. So we could say clearly that God supplies the power to control our desires, our emotions, and our behaviors. God clearly supplies the power for us to be self-controlled. And so if we do not control these desires in His power, they will control us in our weakness. Or maybe they will control us in what we think is our strength. Where we think, I can do this, I got this, But in reality, we don't. God's strength plus our works leads to us being able to restrain our emotions, to restrain our 
desires and and behaviors. And so we would say that self-control is walking by the Spirit as we kill the flesh. Self-control is a a fruit or it's, it's, it's a gift that the Holy Spirit gives us. But we still must be smart about the situations we place ourselves in. We cannot expect to to flirt with sin and live a life of self-control. Proverbs 25-28 says that a man without self-control is like a city broken into and left without walls. Self-control is, is, is pictured as those walls. And I don't, I don't know if you know how important city walls were in the time that this was written. If a city didn't have a wall, it was left vulnerable to attack. And so it is the same with us. If we do not have self-control, we are left vulnerable to the attack of sin. And so, when we think about this picture of a wall, we should maybe think of it and say that there should be distance between us and sin. There should be distance in in places that we know, okay, my wall is weak here. There should be distance. I I was raking leaves yesterday, and I I got to be um, kind of the fire master as we were raking them onto the to the fire. And when they would bring a tarp over, there was there was lots of leaves, and so the fire would just would just rage. And there were times that I, I just had to back away because it was so hot. And I, and I was as I was thinking through this again, I was like, you know, that that's that's a good illustration of how if you get too close. It's, it's going to burn you. If you get too close to sin, you're going to start relying on your own power to overcome it. When we know that we need the Holy Spirit to work in us to provide the power to do so. So we would say that, that we're not exhibiting self-control when we are continually dallying with or or flirting with or walking as close as possible to sin as we can. The sin that would enslave us. When we walk closely to that, we're leaving ourselves vulnerable to attack. And so the principle would be you cannot be at the same time under the control of the Spirit and at the same time be a slave to your flesh. When the Holy Spirit provides the power to control those desires, we should walk according to that, instead of seeking to gratify the flesh. So, what would it look like if we, if we are exhibiting self-control? It would be knowing where the walls in our life are weak. and seeking the Holy Spirit to strengthen us in those areas. To know that that I I struggle with with this temptation, whatever it is that you struggle with, 
to, to seek God's Word, to renew your mind daily with the Scriptures and asking the Holy Spirit to, to strengthen those walls in your life. Some, some practical ways to do that. And I just have two examples. Maybe, maybe it's a, a sin of gossip. How can, I, how can I strengthen the walls of, of avoiding that sin? Spurgeon says, if there are no listening ears, there will be no tail-bearing tongues. So build the wall of, of not even listening to any sort of tale that you just know is, is not true. Any sort of gossip that is looking to build that person up instead of building up the body of Christ. Maybe, maybe it's, it's lust. Maybe it's the desire to, to gratify yourself in that way. Avoid those situations. The wall that, that is there is to flee. The wall that we can build is not surfing the computer late at night, not watching late night TV. Because then we are by ourselves seeking to to do whatever we think is going to to feel good at that time. But instead, like I said, renew your mind with Scripture. Seek the power of the Holy Spirit to, to give you the desire to glorify Him. Self control is the power of the Spirit and the resolve to kill the flesh in the pursuit of holiness. Self-control is just one aspect in, in our pursuit of holiness, something that we should strive for. And you will battle sin. You will. And you need, to, you need to prepare the horse, but you need to rely on God to provide the victory. And so secondly, we would say self-control is the battle between the flesh and the Spirit. In verse 19 of Galatians 5, Paul describes the works of the flesh. He says, Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. And then we come to verse 22. And, and I've, been, I've been telling the college students a lot lately, one of my favorite words in the Bible is but. I love the comparison that, that usually happens around that word. We see the works of the flesh, and that is, that is not a pretty list by any means. And Paul says in verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit. And he lists all of these things that are, are pleasant, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. But in that contrast, 
between the works of the flesh and the the fruit of the Spirit, there is a war going on. There is a, a, a battle for control in your life. Is that control going to be yielded to the flesh and you see what the effects are there? Or is that going to be yielded to the Spirit so that you can participate in the fruit that He provides? Romans 8.13 says, If you live according to the flesh, you will die. That's, that's pretty clear, pretty straightforward. But if you live by the Spirit, you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. The Spirit, the, the flesh produces death and, and the Spirit produces life. There is a lot at stake in this battle that is going on. There's a lot at stake in, in, in the battle between the flesh and the Spirit. Life and death are on the line. And if we lose this battle, Second Peter talks about how, how we will be ineffective and unfruitful. Now that's, that's, that's not a life that, that, that we want to lead, that is ineffective and unfruitful. And just for the sake of time, we won't go there, but... But talking about, again, this principle of of the flesh producing death and the spirit producing life. That's what's at stake. Not being self-controlled and and walking by the spirit means we are self-controlled. And walking by the flesh. And we've seen that the flesh brings death. The Spirit-given virtue of self-control makes us effective and fruitful. If these qualities exist in you, as, as Second Peter goes on to talk about, you will do the work of God and be prepared as you walk in holiness. And I, and I think it's interesting that, that Christians, believers, we, we all want holiness, but... but we don't want to fight against the flesh to get it. it just, it's one of those things that it's just like, give it to me. I don't want to have to do anything for it. I just want it. But we must battle against the flesh and live according to the Spirit. The works of the flesh cannot inherit the kingdom of God and, and are, are temporal. They won't last. But self-control produces perseverance as we value the long-term good over our instant gratification that comes from the world, that comes from sin, that comes from all of the things that are going on around us. But self-control frees us to restrain those desires. Self-control frees us to, to, to put to death the work of the flesh and find liberty in Christ. Self-control is the power of the Spirit to put off fleshly desires for the sake of eternal joy. And so next, we, we exercise 
self-control to receive an eternal, imperishable reward. And this, this idea comes from um, 2 Corinthians 9, where the illustration is given of the, the runner who is preparing. And then the other aspect of it, that he's doing this for an imperishable wreath, but we do this for, sorry, he does this for a perishable wreath. We do it for an imperishable reward. And so this, this brings up the idea that, that self-control is not about just say no. It's not about just being able to say no. You say no because you know what is to come in eternity. When we say no to the flesh, we're saying yes to the promise that God has given us in His Word. And so we put off instant gratification that comes from sin to put on eternal satisfaction that is found in Christ. Titus 2 speaks of this, and and again, just for time's sake, we won't turn there, but we wait for the blessed hope that is to come. That, That God has promised that there is hope that is to come. And so when we walk according to the Spirit, we're looking forward to the hope that is to come. But sin always promises satisfaction. It always comes saying, this is going to make you feel so much better than than you've ever felt before. We, We can go all the way back to the garden to see that. But it always brings death. That's that's what God says is the penalty for sin, death. And so we, we must realize that. We must know that, that the Spirit brings life. And not only life, but eternal life. When we kill the flesh by the power of the Spirit, we await that eternal life that is to come. And so we say no to sin as a way of taking up our cross and following after Christ. It may cause pain. But it will bring eternal joy. And so we say no to our flesh because we say yes to God's glory. We say yes to the satisfaction that He provides which is eternal. So finally we say that, sorry, not finally, godly self-control glorifies God. So when we say no to our flesh, we are seeking rather God's glory instead of our own. This is because it allows us to glorify God by loving others. So, So think through this with me here. If we cannot say no to our pride, 
we will never admit that we are wrong. If we cannot say no to our fear, we'll never walk up to somebody and, and share the gospel with them. We'll never walk up to, to the visitor in church and, and extend the love of Christ to them. If we cannot say no to our comfort and convenience, we'll never seek to serve one another. If we cannot say no to our preferences, we will never defer to one another. We will not live by the commandment that that Jesus gives, love your neighbor as yourself. We'll be too focused on our desires to look to anyone else around us. And so when when we seek through the power of the Holy Spirit to control those desires we can be outwardly focused and love others. And that glorifies God. And all of this is happening in the Galatian church. Paul is writing to them, and eventually in verse uh, 26, he says, Let us not become conceited, provoking one another and envying one another. So in this regard, the the result of not having self-control is hurt within the body. It's division. It's provoking one another, envying one another. So when we say no to our flesh, we say yes to loving our brothers and sisters in Christ. And, And being the body of Christ that is talked about in Scripture, working together, each person as, as they're, the part that they are supposed to play, deferring to one another, giving preference to one another. And that only comes when we can deny the desires, the emotions, and the behaviors within us through the power of the Holy Spirit. And so we must fight against the flesh. We must seek to glorify God by loving others. But it's it's not about just saying no. It's not about the ability to just say no. It's about looking forward to what is to come when we do just say no. And so now, finally, self-control is the fight of faith, looking forward to what is to come in eternity. Self-control is, again, not about just saying no. That doesn't work. And, and there's, there's plenty of evidence from, from the D.A.R.E. program where, where you can teach people to just say no and give them head knowledge that allows them to do so but we still have these desires. We still have this curiosity. So we need to know that self-control is about submitting to the Spirit so that we can spend an eternity in the presence of God. And what could be more fulfilling than that? 
to spend eternity one-on-one with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And I, and I need you to know that, that that only comes through faith. That when we place our faith in Christ, He provides for us the penalty in our place. He, he pays it for us. God has provided His Son as our substitute. And so that is how we can have faith in what is to come. The life that, that He gives in eternity. So let, let that be your hope. Don't, don't hope in the desires of the flesh. That, that brings death. Hope in the promise of God and eternity with Him, what, with, with, with what is to come in that. And so self-control is, is not just a decision of the head or, or something that is spoken by the lips. It is the change of heart that is brought about by the Holy Spirit. So we must seek to be in the power of the Holy Spirit, not in our own power. We must read the Word. We must spend time coming before the throne of grace in prayer, asking the Holy Spirit to fill us with the power to control our desires. And so in, in closing, just a few application points. Firstly, don't flirt with sin. Don't try to get as close to the line as you can with, without crossing over. Try to be as far away from it as possible so that you can exercise self-control in the power of the Holy Spirit. Secondly, ask God to, to search your heart. What, what areas in your life are you acting under your own power? What areas in your life do you need to yield to the power of the Holy Spirit to, to change in you? Ask God to reveal those to you. And then submit to the power of the Spirit so that those things can change in you. And finally, submit those things to Him and, and know that He is faithful. And know that when you just say no to the flesh, you're saying yes to the Spirit. You're saying yes to the eternal joy that is to be found in the presence of Christ in heaven for all eternity. That's what's at stake. Let's pray. God, I thank you for the Holy Spirit who is able to change our hearts. I do pray that you would search our hearts and that you would reveal to us where we are the ones in control. Help us, God, to submit that to you. I pray these things in Jesus' name.
Stand with us, please, as we close. Let's, uh, we'll close with a song of surrender as we just come with open hands before the Lord. And, uh,